Welcome to season two of The Real Demons of Pop Culture. My name is James Ippolitti. I'm your guide through pop culture's dark side. You may also know me as Dr. J, the TikTok famous demon hunter and knower of things. In this episode, I'm taking... Oh no, it's here. The Zuni fetish style. Oh no. Oh. All right, guys, I'm taking you back to 1975 to a made-for-TV horror anthology called Trilogy of Terror. And I got to get out of here real quick. This is the story of demonic toys. Coming to get you, Barbara. I'll swallow your soul! Welcome back. This is season two. Season two, I want to be the best form of entertainment, escapism. So, you're with me, just you and me, for the following however many minutes this episode goes. And so let's start with a cleansing breath. Let's inhale all the cool, fun things that we love about pop culture. And then exhale everything that we don't want to bother us for the next 45 minutes, half hour, whatever it is. Let's do it again. Inhale, demons. Ah, those wonderful demons of pop culture. And exhale, work, life, all that junk. We're not going to think about that at all for the remainder of this episode. So, now that you're with me, and it's just you and me, I also want to let you know that this podcast is listener-supported. I have not put commercials in this podcast. I'd like to keep it that way. So, in the show notes, there are many ways to support The Real Demons of Pop Culture. There is a coloring book that is now available on Amazon with demons doing all kinds of fun activities. And, you know, talking about cleansing breaths and things like that, coloring books really do put you in the flow state. It gets all that garbage out of your head and you focus just on coloring the pages. So there's that. There's merch. I have lots of new merch. I even have an evil mug shop that really has nothing to do with this. I just wanted to make some funny mugs. So I'll put a link in there as well. And I now have a support page. And the link will be in the show notes. It has three levels of support. The first tier is called Shout at the Devil. That's $3 per month. I will shout out your name at a thank you at the end of every episode. The second tier is called Straight to Hell Early Access. That's $5 a month. You'll get early access to next week's episode. And the Secret Society, the third tier, $8 a month. You get the shout out. You get early access and access to the bonus episodes. There will be bonus episodes each week. And they will be a narrative about a true horror story that probably happened. It may but it's definitely something to think about. I want to keep this, as I said, listener supported. So I need listeners like you to help out so we can keep this going. And lots more fun things are coming up. More coloring books. I have a Demon Hunter's Log book. So this is great if you're a paranormal investigator, ghost hunter. This book, it's legit. Like it's not 
a goofy thing. You can now, of course, it's called the Demon Hunters Logbook, and it's got like the School of Dark Arts logo on it. But it literally has everything you need when you do any kind of paranormal investigation. I went really serious in creating this logbook to have everything from like the moon phase, the directions of the wind, the wind speed. Like you, ch- you have everything you need to check off. You have plenty of room for notes for each investigation. I'm really excited for this. I'll put up a video um, to show you the pages and what they look like, but super cool. So now that I got all the business out of the way, let's do the magic number. All right, the way this works is I count down, three, two, one. I think of a number. You're going to write that number down, and at the end of the episode, I will reveal the number, and if you get it right, you will have an extra special magical day. If you don't get it right, you'll still have a nice day. You just won't have an extra special magical day. I don't make up the rules. My cat does. I'm going to think of a number between 1 and 50. Here we go. Three, two, one. All right. I hope you wrote that number down. Now, that is the magic number. So today we're talking about the final segment, Amelia, from the 1975 horror anthology trilogy of Tur. I have been thinking a lot. Was I watching this when it first came out? Because I would have been like five years old. So I don't know if they re-released it like in 1978 or something like that. Does that really matter if I was eight years old? So I don't know, but I know that this movie definitely was, I don't know what you would call it. It didn't scare me to the place where I hated horror. In fact, I loved this and We'll get into what the segment is, but it's an early example of the concept of demonic dolls or toys in pop culture, and we're going to talk a lot about this. Now, in Amelia, it's not necessarily a toy, but it is like a doll, and I guess you could play with it, so it could be a toy. But the demonic toys episode that we're talking about is taking an inanimate object and making it devilish, making it demonic. And we're going to get into all the different versions of pop culture. But let's talk about Amelia first. So Karen Black stars in this trilogy of terror. And this was made for television. If you watch it now, it's pretty shocking to me that it's a television show. Even if it's made for TV movie, this last bit is pretty, pretty intense. I watched it again on YouTube and enjoyed the hell out of it. There was nothing I didn't like about it. Karen Black is just amazing in all three, but especially in Amelia. I also want to bring up that this story is based off a story called Prey that was written by Richard Matheson, who I love as an author. But in the final segment, they change the name from Prey to Amelia. A young woman is played brilliantly by Karen Black, purchases a Zuni fetish doll as a gift for her boyfriend now the usage of the word fetish is not related to sexual desires and fetishes that we think of when we hear that word it's using a different definition of an inanimate object worshipped for its supposed magical powers or because it's considered to be inhabited by a spirit 
So the doll's possessed by the spirit of a Zuni warrior, and it begins to attack Amelia, who must fight for her life against a deadly doll. That is the voice of the Zuni fetish doll. When I was a child, my friend Joe, uh, my childhood friend Joe and I, would chase each other and pretend we're the Zuni fetish doll and be using that. That's what we would do. And I remember being very young playing around like that. So I must have been very young when I saw a trilogy of terror. And that's common for kids who grew up in the 70s and 80s. A lot of times they would see things they probably shouldn't have seen because it was on TV. Or maybe their parents took them to a movie and it was The Exorcist. Uh, My friend Chris, Chris Blake Sasser, the artist, tells me a story like he was five when he saw The Exorcist. And I think it was a drive-thru and he was in the backseat or something like that. But I know a lot of people who are older who had those stories. Tell me about your childhood with horror in the School of Dark Arts Facebook group. You can find that in the show notes. But if you want to like share the, your stories of being young and seeing horror, I'd love to hear those stories. So Amelia helped to popularize the concept of a small, seemingly innocuous object becoming possessed and deadly. <laughs> it's so good. I want to find out the story behind the sound effects and where they got that from. I'm going to look that up and I'll tell you in another episode. The trilogy of terror, the Zuni fetish style, it was super influential in inspiring future works in the horror genre, in this demonic toys genre, especially Child's Play franchise, which features the possessed doll Chucky. Now, Amelia also contributed to the enduring popularity of the film, The Trilogy of Terror. It's a cult classic in the horror genre. And I will tell you, I don't remember the first two stories. You can watch the first two stories on YouTube, but I don't recall them. Not to say they're not good, but that last one was so powerful that you just don't forget it, especially when you're a kid. Trilogy of Terror definitely was so impactful that it cemented this idea of demonic toys as a staple of the horror genre. Now let's talk about some trivia. This is one of my favorite trivias from Trilogy of Terror. So when the film was first shown on Brazilian television in March of 1981, strict censorship regulations in Brazil at the time demanded that the third segment, Amelia, be completely cut. Which to me is hilarious because this is probably, you know, the best segment and they're going to cut it. And it's because of this, the TV station that released it was forced to change the title. It's no longer a trilogy of terror. They had to change it uh, to Two Horror Stories. That was the name, Two Horror Stories. Now, it was in Portuguese, so it was Duas Historias de Terror. All right, whatever. Uh, I don't know what I just said. I'm sure anybody who speaks Portuguese is like, you really messed that up. But it translates to two horror stories. And that really would not engage me. Trilogy of Terror just sounds so much better. Now, the film crew, in trying to make the Zuni fetish style look like it had come to life, they kept laughing because sometimes bits of it fell off, like an arm or a head. So I can imagine myself being on set, cracking up as you're trying to make this thing run around and move and things are flying off it. Now, Richard Matheson insisted that he adapt his own short story, Prey, himself, because he knew that this story had to be the most frightening one of all three stories in the trilogy. And he was right. He was right 
It is the most frightening, and he knew his story. All right, the next one is a spoiler. So if you haven't seen it, you can close your ears for a minute, or you can just get spoiled. The idea of Amelia grinning and showing fang-like teeth similar to those that were on the Zuni fetish doll, and some might argue that it's the most frightening image of the entire film, actually came from Karen Black herself, which is super cool. I always thought the ending of that was creepy as hell, and uh, that was a Karen Black idea. Karen Black contributed much to Amelia. Um, She wrote her first conversation with her mother on the telephone. Black wanted to emphasize that the mother was controlling and manipulative. The original dialogue made the mother out to be too nice. By making the mother out to be controlling of Amelia, well, the audience is placed more on her side when they realize what's going to happen at the end when she comes to visit her and Karen Black's sitting there. It's crouched down with the knife, with the grinning, sharp teeth. So Karen Black also had a suggestion for the special effects crew. Um, They were having trouble figuring out how to show Amelia being cut by the Zuni fetish style when it was trying to escape from the suitcase. And she suggested having them place blood on her finger, which she would hide from the camera until it was time for her to be cut. If you don't know, you can watch that scene. She puts the Zuni fetish style in her suitcase, and then you see the knife coming, and it's cutting itself out. And she's trying to, and I think this is really effective. She's trying to grab the knife with her hand, and that's how she gets cut. But when she's doing it, you're like, ooh, you know, you get that, oh, my God, you're going to cut yourself. You're going to get cut. All right, let's talk about the historical origins of not Trilogy of Terror, but demonic toys or demonic objects that once were inanimate. And there's several examples from ancient mythology and folklore that could be seen as influences on this concept. For instance, the Greek myth of Pygmalion. The myth tells the story of a sculptor Pygmalion who creates a beautiful statue of a woman. The statue is brought to life by Aphrodite, the goddess of love and beauty, and this myth has inspired countless works of art depicting inanimate objects coming to life. So there's something from ancient Greece. The ancient Egyptians also had a myth like this. It was the myth of the god Bess. Bess was a god who was often depicted as a dwarf with a fierce and menacing appearance. He was believed to be the protector of households and was often depicted holding weapons or fighting off demons and other spirits. Next we go to the Jewish legend of Golem. Now, according to the legend, a rabbi created a humanoid creature out of clay to protect the Jewish community from harm. The creature was brought to life by a magic spell and was able to perform feats of incredible strength. However, the golem eventually became too powerful and had to be destroyed. Yeah, that's always a problem, right? It's kind of like AI might become too powerful and we'll have to destroy it before it destroys us. I'm going to do something on AI eventually. I'm just not sure because there are a lot of pop culture uh, stories where computers or AI become aware and become the enemy. So we'll get into that in another episode, I'm sure. Now we have the Norse myth of the golem-like creature, I'm going to say this wrong, Mokokafi, so it's M-O-K-K-U-R-K-A-L-F-I, Mokokafi, this Golem-like creature is a creature made of clay and animated by the god Thor. And like Golem, Mokokokafi is able to perform incredible feats of strength. 
These ancient myths, these legends have influenced the concept of demonic or possessed toys as they all feature inanimate objects that are brought to life through magical means, and they may have a darker or menacing aspect to them. Now, the concept of demonic toys in pop culture has evolved over time, and it has been influenced by various cultural, social, and technological factors, and here are some of the ways that that concept has evolved. So, early depictions of demonic toys in literature and film often featured dolls or puppets that were controlled by malevolent spirits or possessed by evil forces, and as time passed, the concept has expanded to include a wider variety of toys and other inanimate objects that can become imbued with demonic powers. I almost sometimes think about Pinocchio, too, because, I mean, not that Pinocchio's demonic, but similar, right? In the early days of horror movies and literature, the concept of demonic toys was often used as a plot device to scare audiences. However, as the horror genre evolved, writers and filmmakers explored the deeper psychological implications of demonic toys and the impact that they can have on the human psyche, which I think that's, to me, that's super cool. Like, why is it that Chucky... Now, to me, I remember seeing Chucky when it came out in the 80s, and I laughed through the whole thing because I'm weird like that. But... I know people today that just can't see these dolls like Annabelle and Chucky. They scare the hell out of people. There's something in the human psyche about that that I don't have, doesn't scare me, and I think I could take any kind of demonic puppet, toy, whatever. Uh, I think I could handle it because I'm Dr. J, the demon hunter. With the advent of new technologies such as animatronics and computer-generated imagery, Filmmakers have been able to create increasingly realistic and terrifying depictions of demonic toys on screen. And more recently, the concept of demonic toys has been subverted and parodied in comedic films and TV, such as the Toy Story of Terror episode of the Toy Story franchise, which features a group of toys who must battle a terrifying creature in a roadside motel. So when I was younger, there was another one that creeped the hell out of me called Magic, and it was starring a young Anthony Hopkins, and he had a ventriloquist dummy, and it was scary. I remember being scared by that movie, and I haven't watched it in a while. I should rewatch it to see if I still feel that it holds my interest. I'm a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, and I thought I'd bring these up because there's so many um, different influences that led into a Buffy episode. And there's one with a dummy that is possessed, but you, there's a twist to it. I don't want to spoil it, but that was definitely a Buffy the Vampire Slayer influenced, uh, probably from magic and other things. It was more similar to magic. And then, you know, Ash versus Evil Dead recently had the Ash puppet. And so that's another example of a very recent horror episode with some kind of toy coming to life and being evil but why why is it around why does it continue to resonate with audiences well here are a couple ideas that we can look at of why this still exists and why people like it so first the fear of the unknown so inanimate objects coming to life and behaving in ways that are unexpected and threatening it can tap into a primal fear of the unknown and this fear is often exploited by horror movies and literature, and it's a common theme in stories involving demonic toys. The next reason that it might resonate with audiences is childhood nostalgia. So many people, including myself, definitely myself, have fond memories of their childhood toys. 
me so much that I have them in my office um, of demonology here. I have so many either of my original toys or if I no longer have them, I go out and seek them to display in my office. Not just me, but many people have these fond memories of their childhood toys. And the idea that these objects could become possessed or controlled by evil forces, it can be especially unsettling. This can create a sense of nostalgia mixed with horror, which can be a powerful emotional experience for audiences. So next would be like the potential for imagination. The concept of demonic toys has lots of potential for imagination, allowing writers and filmmakers to create a wide range of compelling and terrifying characters. The possibilities are endless from creepy dolls to malevolent teddy bears, which I did do a malevolent teddy bear in my TikTok videos. It's one of my favorites. Um, I should, I don't know how I can post a TikTok somewhere, but you know what? I'll, I will, I will post a link in the School of Dark Arts Facebook group of the demonic teddy bear. Cause it's one of my favorite uh, little videos I created. You can take this idea and go beyond just dolls and teddy bears. Uh, there's possessed board games like Ouija boards. And next is the cultural fascination with the supernatural. And that's why you're listening to this show. The supernatural, it's long been a popular theme in pop culture, and the concept of demonic toys is an extension of that fascination. So many people are intrigued by the idea of the supernatural and the occult. So yeah, the concept of demonic toys resonates with audiences. It taps into deep-seated fears and emotions, but it's also like a fun place to play. And I always talk about this, like this show, The Real Demons of Pop Culture, I hope doesn't make you more scared of demons but makes you enjoy them. Like if you're a creative person, and I love talking to creative people, and I love telling them that, you know, all this stuff that people are afraid of, it's really a great playground for creativity and writing stories or making videos or writing books. And I love inspiring people to create more horror because it's just so much fun. Now, this week's bonus episode is about Okiku. Okiku is a legendary Japanese doll that is said to be haunted by the spirit of a young girl. Now, this is not a movie. This is not a book. This is a real-life story. So the bonus episodes are going to be, like, not true crime, but true horror. Things that happen or maybe inspired horror stories, things that apparently might be real, and I will do them in a very narrative type way with sound effects and things like that. So this week's bonus episode, Okiku, it will be available immediately. You can go listen to it now if you are part of the Secret Society tier on my support page, which I'll put in the show notes. And if you're part of the Secret Society, you can listen to next week's episode, which is a Juneteenth special, Candyman. We're going to talk about Candyman and black cinema, black horror, the history of that, the history behind Candyman. That is next week, and you can listen to that now if you are in the secret society. Here's my promise to you. If I get 1,000 supporters, and it doesn't have to be in the secret society, any tier, if we have a total of 1,000 supporters, I will do a live stream from a legitimate haunted house overnight. I will find 
a haunted house. We'll probably do a poll, find out where you guys want me to stay overnight, and then I will do that, and we will live stream it. So tell all your friends and family that they need to become part of this listener-supported show. And that is my goal for this year, is to get the listener support to put me in any kind of paranormal situation that I can live stream. That's the first challenge. This week, demonic toys, that concept in pop culture, it has a long history as we've seen. It's got origins in ancient beliefs about the supernatural. And over time, the concept evolved to include a wider variety of toys and other objects that can become possessed or imbued with demonic powers. The concept of demonic toys, it has a significant impact on pop culture, inspiring numerous horror franchise merchandise, parodies, and fan creations. It resonates with audience because it taps into primal fears of the unknown, while also offering imaginative potential and a cultural fascination with the supernatural. The concept of demonic toys remains a powerful and enduring element of pop culture, inspiring and terrifying audiences in equal measure. Please go over to the School of Dark Arts Facebook group and let me know which is your favorite demonic toys. Puppet Masters? Is it something that I haven't brought up? Is it Chucky? Chucky wouldn't be my favorite, but it's still fun. Now it's time for the magic number. All right. Today's magic number is 27. I hope you got that right and you have an extra special magical day. However, you will still have a good day. But my cat tells me that if you got the number right, your day will be extra special. All my links are in the show notes. Remember, our show is listener-supported. I hope I helped you escape from the world for the past so many minutes. Come back next week, and let's escape again. Be sure to follow me on TikTok at James Ippoliti. I'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. The Real Demons of Pop Culture is a Gorilla Delphia production.